Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received their usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this, I choose to give to this last, the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thank you, Debbie, for reading our scripture this morning. If you feel the urge to dance about this morning during praise songs and uh, add choreography to it, then it'll be a lot like what Bible school was like last night and Friday night and Thursday night. Oh, what a joy to have this sanctuary full of children and families singing and praising God and learning about God's monumental love. We continue our sermon series this morning entitled Stories Worth Repeating. We've been reading together stories that Jesus tells, parables in the Gospels, and letting them challenge us in the ways that they may. Will you pray with me? Holy, holy God, get me out of the way this morning. Make sure these words are yours, please, please, Lord. The words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, our Savior, and our refuge. And it is in your name that we pray. And all God's people once more said, Amen. I remember it well, that practice of choosing teams in school. 
when teachers choose the captains and the rest of the kids are lined up like eggs in a carton. And there I would be in the mix. Short little Emily with the thick glasses, what are we going to do with her? If the captains were picking people for math competitions or spelling bees, I was your girl. First round draft pick. But if the teams had anything to do with sports, and they always had to do with sports, things involving kicking and throwing and catching and hitting, baseball, soccer, dodgeball, kickball, you name it, I was chosen dead last or next to last behind this nice boy named Daryl who was about my size. And there we were, hearing the captain say things like, you took her, I took her last time. I dreaded the decisions about who was worth more in the game. Human beings like to size people up, don't we? assign worth to another based on our bias at any given moment. We look at people like eggs in a carton and begin to establish some pecking order in our heads. Who is going to be first, last, better, less? Who is worth more in the game? The practice starts as early as preschool and then goes on through elementary and middle school with people judging one another on sports, grades, abilities, looks. In high school, we start to make actual lists with class rankings and player statistics and SAT scores, ACT scores, and the many ways that we judge other people by height and clothes and appearance and socioeconomics and the ways we're wired and pecking orders don't stop there. When we get older as adults, we do the same thing. We could do it today. Line up folks in the sanctuary by some chosen comparison or value like age or net worth or weight or home square footage, educational level military rank, how long you've been a member of the church, some preferred political persuasion or prejudice, or how many speeding tickets you've got. Any standard we could use to value some more and others less. The truth is we probably don't need to physically line up to do that because it's already happened in our heads some sort of self-designed pecking order that we've set up that often, unfortunately, gets displayed in words, social media posts, demeaning comments, or an intentional look of derision at someone else. Like some invisible ladder that we've set up with rungs of hierarchy of people. Some first, some last, some worth more, some worth less in this game of life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Why do we do that? In steps today's story from Jesus 
to challenge it. It's called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. It could be called the parable of the salaries we didn't like. The parable of God not being fair. The parable of complaining co-workers or the parable of Jesus throwing rankings out the window. You take your pick. Today's story is meant to challenge that practice we have of judging or devaluing others. And it's meant to reorient us to Jesus' way of seeing and assigning worth. The story begins with six words, the kingdom of God is like. It's an important way to start the story. It tells us something about what's to come. It's early morning. The sun is not yet up. A landowner who has a vineyard enters the marketplace to hire day laborers. He finds some, invites them to work. They agree on what the usual daily wage will be, which is one denarius for one full day's work, and they get to work in. The landowner returns to the marketplace four more times that day at nine, at noon, at three, and just before quitting time. Each time he sees more people and hires them and brings them into the field to work. And at the end of the day, the landowner gathers all the people to pay them. The ones hired last are those paid first. They had worked less than an hour. They receive one denarius for their work. The same amount, remember, promised to those who agreed to work before the sun came up. In fact, each person hired, whether they worked one hour or five or eleven, received one denarius, the same for each. Can you imagine if you got hired first thing in the morning, that is infuriating. Those who work the longest, sweated the most, out in that hot sun, lost it. You have got to be kidding me. We should get more. The landowner was not swayed by their argument. So those all-day workers ramped up their complaints. How could the landowner make the last-minute workers equal to them? It wasn't fair. The people who work the most should get the most. The people who work the least should get the least. That's the way the world works. To pay everyone the same is a bad business model, Jesus just saying. But Jesus already told us, it's not a business model. This is the model of the kingdom of God. The landowner tells those who think they are worth the most, I am not doing anything wrong. Did you not agree to the pay you received? Well, yes, but am I not free to do what I want with what is mine to give? Well, yes, but, and then Jesus goes from storytelling to meddling in verse 15. Different translations put this verse in different ways. The landowner asks, are you envious or resentful because I am generous and gracious? Or the Greek is more literally, is your eye evil because I am good? 
with that question, Jesus has held up a mirror so that those workers and we can see ourselves more clearly and our sin. Jesus says the first will be last and the last will be first in the kingdom of God. All are of equal worth and that is that. It is not a story about working in some grapes or setting pay scales. It is a story about grace and God's abundant generosity with it and how we have problems with that. It's a story about the sin of human pride and self-righteousness, the sin of judgment and valuing someone else as less. Grace is a tricky thing. When grace is offered to us freely, undeservedly, it is amazing, right? To think that God knows all our faults and loves us and showers us with grace at the end of the day. And yet, when grace is given to someone else whom we think for whatever reason we have set up does not deserve it or is surely worth less than we are at the end of the day, it is infuriating. Perhaps we think God ought to withhold grace from some people. Thank God we do not control God or God's grace or what God does with it and have absolutely no say in the matter. And that's that. This story shows us when we get resentful or as the Greek says, evil, at seeing God's goodness and unconditional love and unmerited grace given to someone we think is not worthy of it, that is a problem in our hearts and that's sin. John Wesley, that unlikely founder of the Methodist Church, wrote this, that nothing is more repugnant to capable, reasonable people than grace. End quote. What do you think of the story? How do you see yourself in it? Some interpret this story not by the self-designed ways we devalue others, They interpret it through the lens of salvation history, equating those hired first to, say, Abraham and Sarah in the earliest parts of the Old Testament, and those hired last to Gentiles like us, making us the ones who are devalued. Some interpret this through the lens of salvation in terms of the timing in our lives, that those hired first would be those who say yes to Jesus at an early age in life and those hired last would be like those who come to Jesus just before they pass away. Regardless, the problem of sin remains in the story as the devaluing of another at our own self-righteous prop. Wanting God to be stingy with grace thinking we know better than God what God ought to do with it. My goodness, grace is a tricky thing. Those early morning workers were right. Grace 
is not fair. It is not meant to be. Grace is a gift, unmerited and merciful. And everyone is of equal worth to God, one denarius apiece. Scripture tells us again and again that God does not show partiality. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which means we are all equally undeserving of it. Or as Reverend D.T. Niles said over 50 years ago, that memorable line, we are all, as it turns out, just one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread of life. It's humbling, right? Years ago, I helped with a ministry to the homeless. At the church where I was serving, we would have persons come and sleep in our church for a week at a time. We set up cots and set up different rooms in the church, and we prepared meals and hang out with them in the evenings. I remember sitting with different gentlemen and eating with them at the tables, and I would hear stories about how addiction and mental illness had uh, torn up a career or family or life. I heard about how hard it is to get an apartment or a job if you've got a felony on your record. I heard about how hard it is just to go from day to day, what it's like to be homeless. And I remember one gentleman in particular, he was enormous, four times or more my size and incredibly strong. He's like the size of a Washington football team linebacker. And he had this voice that was beautiful, baritone tones, and it would carry across the entire room. He had this infectious laugh and smile, and he did not smell fresh. His clothes hadn't been washed in a long time, and his grammar was not the best. And we were sitting there talking. He told me about the crimes he committed and how that came about. He told me about the struggles he was having trying to get another job. He told me about the struggles he had in trying to find a decent place to live. And then he talked about the job he just applied for. And then he looked at me and he said, do you have a job? I said, yes. He said, what is it? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, and I quote, get out. (laughs) I've never seen one so small (laughs) and I laughed and then he said would you pray with me and I told him I would be honored and so we went into the next room where I knew that we had a prayer bench in the church and we went down there and he took up five-sixths of the kneeling bench and I got the few little inches on the end And we lit a candle together. And then he said, I'm going to go first. I said, okay. So he started praying for the other men who were sleeping at the church that week. He knew they were discouraged and frustrated. And he said, Lord, help me be a source of hope and encouragement to them. Help me know what to say. Help me know how to say it. And then he started praying for me. He wanted to pray for that little pastor. 
And he said, God, let nothing hold her back. No fears, not things that try to pull you down, Lord. Just let her go in your spirit to follow you and be faithful. And then he said, thank you, Lord, for a roof over my head, a dry place to sleep, and food that I got to eat today. Then I prayed for him. And then he prayed for me, and then I prayed for him, and then he prayed for me, and then we both had things to confess, and it just went on. It was a blessing that night. And I've wondered, if someone walked into the room while we were doing that, according to whatever they valued, would they have put me first and him last? Or him first and me last? Or both of us somewhere in the middle? doesn't matter for those hours we got to be brother and sister in Christ one denarius of grace apiece side by side as the children of God and it was beautiful why do we do that thing when we seem to want to make ourselves better than someone else Why do we do that thing when we don't want equal measures of grace for another one denarius apiece? That's what we get. That is that. It is a great temptation to size people up over whatever the issue is that gets under our skin, our prejudice, our bias, whatever it is. Make others less so we can feel like more. We imagine these ladders in our heads right with rungs on them with groups or persons assigned to each one. And what Jesus does when he tells us this story is take that ladder and set it like this so that we get to be side by side, one denarius apiece, brothers and sisters in Christ. To God, we are all worth the same incalculable amount. Who do we think we are when we think some are less deserving? God, help us to get over ourselves and wake up in the morning and say, Who am I? And not to judge. Karl Barth was a theologian in the first half of the 20th century. And this is something he wrote, and I want to quote it. The radical acceptance of others is the basis of Christian ethics. To think of every human being, even the oddest, most villainous or miserable, as one to whom Jesus Christ is brother and God is father, creator, And then we are to be in relationship with the other person on that profound basis. This story worth repeating tells us that. Tells us we are equals in the kingdom of heaven. All of us recipients of God's radical grace. One denarius apiece. And that is that. Thank goodness God did not put human beings in charge of dispensing grace because we would mess that up. Boy, wouldn't we? 
Forgive us, Lord, for all the ways how. Know today that if you've been hanging out in the marketplace, hoping that someone would invite you to be in God's kingdom, consider yourself chosen for the team by the captain who is almighty God. Amen and amen and amen.